What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I'm Justin Michael. I'm your host, and we are talking about a variety of things today. We're going to get into the couple of the best 2022 NFL draft prospects with Jake Schwanitz. Really, really looking forward to that. Trey McBride patching some of these dudes. Going to be a blast to catch up with him. I'm also going to react to the schedule, which we know most of TV-wise. Kickoff times, there's still a couple to be announced, or to be determined, I should say. But I just want to start by congratulating Eric Hamer for advancing to the NCAA Championships in the 10,000 meters event. He actually had to battle quite a bit of adversity to do so. He was with about 3,000 meters to go in the 10,000 meter at the NCAA West prelim semifinal. He was cruising, he was in 7th place, got pushed down in close quarters by another runner, actually dropped all the way down to 17th. Insane that he was able to still recover and uh, earn a top 12 finish to, to qualify for nationals. Just insane perseverance. It's not shocking. I mean, this guy has done you know nothing but perform at the highest level his entire career. And now he has an opportunity to go on to the NCAA championships, maybe you know show out there on a national level. But just an incredible feat and an incredible way to just continue what's been such a storied career. I'm going to read a quote from Eric in the press release. Before I do so, though, I also want to shout out Austin Hannon, Assistant Director of Communications for CSU Athletics. He is incredible at his job, and he just does a great job of providing a ton of really, really helpful information. It's always concise and and well put together, and I appreciate it. Anyways, here's that quote from Eric Hamer. The 10K is always very tactical, which causes stress in the field. The issue is 44 bodies can't fit into 12 places. Something has to give. The tension builds and builds, and I knew this switch was coming and the pace was going to change. It is either you are going to flip it yourself, control when you go, or you're going to have it flipped for you. The switch was flipped for me, and in the most dramatic way possible. I mean, I've been clipped before, but this was pretty hard, and I went down. I remember getting up and just feeling pretty devastated. I had a vision of falling apart that I have come this far and this has happened. My parents who make it to a few races were there. However, I had no choice of how I wanted this to go. I would not choose to fall for me to turn on the next level. But if falling is what it took, then I was going to respond to it as hard as I could. I remember watching the 2016 Rio Olympics in which Mo Farah fell in the 10K and got back up and won the whole thing. I channeled that energy. It was incredibly hard and the most taxing thing I've ever done, but I was given an awareness of how to turn my brain off and respond. I had a job to do, and with all intents and purposes, that job was accomplished. Even in my sixth year, I continue to learn things. Man, what what a feat. That sounds that sounds something like it was straight out of Hollywood. And the fact that he was able to persevere just shows how talented Eric Hamer really is. He's gonna be the third Ram to compete at the national stage in the 10K in the past five years. And in the past four NCAAs due to the lost COVID season, Grant Fisher was the last appearance. He finished 11th in 2008, also placed 12th in 2017. Gerald Mock finished 10th. I actually know him as Jerry. We lived in the same floor in Gruesome Newsome my freshman year. One of the most talented banjo players I've ever been around. Just fun fact for you. Getting back on track, though, Eric Hamer, just another incredible feat. It's pretty insane. Here's one more quote before I move on. Thanks again to Austin Hannon for providing all of this information. From head coach Art Seamers. 
We knew Kip2 was going to go out hard and then coast. The scary thing was when Eric got pushed down. The West region is so competitive in distance, and that makes mistakes and things like that could be so hard to rebound from. However, he got back up quickly and worked really, really hard to catch back up. It shows just what a tremendous competitor he is, and after all that, he still qualified smooth. Big time Rams doing big time things. You absolutely love to see it. I'm gonna move on and talk about the schedule. Before I do though, sure, you're probably hearing how great mortgage rates are right now. My friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they are not your typical mortgage company. Yeah, they've got phenomenal rates, but what really makes them different is Mike is a certified financial planner. He looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family owned company, proud CSU supporters, proud DNVR members, and you're always gonna feel like a person, not a number. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly though, you're gonna get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. If you'd like to give Mike a call directly, you can do so at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Tell him Justin from DNVR Rams sent you or visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, all right, all right. I'm not going to lie, I'm still feeling pretty pumped up talking about Hamer. That's an awesome story. I'd love for that to be a movie or a Netflix show. That's just so dramatic, getting knocked down the last 3,000 meters of a 10,000 meter event and having the wherewithal to recover. I mean, what an absolute beast. So dope. Anyways, we uh, we have the, the football schedule or, you know, most of it as, as far as the kickoff times and all that. We already talked about how the South Dakota State game is now on Friday, September 3rd. We do now know that that game is going to be on FS1 at 7 p.m. CSU opening up the year on national TV. And the great thing is, you know, there's not a lot of competition as far as great games that night. UNC plays Virginia Tech at 4 p.m. Mountain, Duke, Charlotte, Old Dominion, Wake Forest. Like South Dakota plays Kansas. People might be interested in that because KU could always lose. CU does play UNC that same night. So both college football teams in state, or I should say all three, including UNC, all opening up on Friday, September 3rd. Kind of a tough blow for the local high school scene. You know, basically every major community, Boulder, Fort Collins, Greeley. A lot of high school is going to get overlooked. I do hate that. And then it's just Michigan State Northwestern. So, you know, only three games at 7 p.m. CU and CSU are, are involved in two of them. And then the other game is Michigan State Northwestern. You know, I, I don't really see that one being a phenomenal game. I'm interested if Mel Tucker will lose to Northwestern, but that's about it. So it's it's probably the best game available that night. You assume that Colorado should run through Northern Colorado. You know, I, I have talked before, South Dakota State, they're a good team. They obviously made it to the FCS championship this spring. Their offense looked really, really explosive. I'm looking forward to diving into some of their games and starting to preview that one, but it, it's going to be, you know, kind of tough. It, it's not an easy way to open the year, but if you can go out and perform well and do so on a nas- national stage, 
it'd be a good way to, to set some positive momentum for the season, you know, get some juice going before you host Vandy on September 11th. I like that you get an extra day of rest and preparation in between week one and week two. That's going to be the orange out game. You're going to have some swag there, but you've got to win. You've got to win when you wear the orange. So I'm interested to see how that one plays out. That game is going to be on CBS Sportsnet. Unfortunately for CSU, there's quite a few good games that night, even in the late night slate. Arizona hosts San Diego State. That should be a pretty good one. BYU and Utah clash off at 8.15. Stanford USC playing at 8.30. UNLV Arizona State. So a lot of, oh, and then you got Hawaii, Oregon State at 9. So a lot of marquee matchups for the Mountain West. A lot of opportunities for early Power 5 victories. And then if you're CSU, you know, it's an opportunity to hopefully, you know, go 2-0. Hopefully pick up a second win over an SEC opponent in a couple of years. That's a very impressive feat. Something you can put on the, you know, social media, brag about. If you listen to uh, Titus and Tate, they kind of joke about those things. Big 10 stat of the day. You know, that'd be like a CSU football stat of the day. Which G5 team has two SEC wins at home or something like that. I mean, it's impressive that they've even gotten multiple SEC teams to come this far out west, let alone if you can, you know, potentially get another win over one. And and that's not even getting into the fact that CSU's competed really well on the road against SEC teams. Both those Alabama games were competitive, especially considering how good Bama was both of those years. National champions both of those years. They played really well against Arkansas. I mean, you can't convince me. That, that 2019 game doesn't go a little bit differently if, if Colin Hill doesn't go down. You know, I'm not saying definitively they would have won the game, but they really had no answers for that CSU offense early. And then even after they got over the shell shock of Hill's injury, Patrick O'Brien was able to get it rolling a little bit as well, which was really impressive since he had to come in cold and, you know, experience the whole just shock of seeing QB1 go down, how all the whole team reacts. I mean, it sucks the life out of you. So another opportunity for another SEC win in Fort Collins, Vandy, September 11th, 8 p.m., wearing the orange jerseys. On September 18th, they go to Toledo. We don't know, oh, we do know the kickoff time, excuse me, 2 p.m. That is on ESPNU. Again, another deceptively tough game. Hopefully you go into that one 2-0 and give yourself a, a buffer because. We all remember that Toledo game from a couple of years ago. They can move the football at will. September 25th, we don't know the kickoff time. It's going to be a 12 days out one. It's also going to be uh, determined what the TV network is on that one. I hope it doesn't end up being on the Big Ten network or something like that. I'm hoping for an FS1 game. And, you you know, again, that's just more incentive to get off to a, a fast start and, you know, Give yourself some some positive momentum on a national level. Get yourself a little bit of goodwill with the TV networks. October 9th, also going to be a 12 days out. That is homecoming. That game will be on a Fox Sports network, probably FS1, because I imagine San Jose State is going to be pretty good. But a lot of that will also depend on what CSU is like. October 16th at New Mexico, TV to be announced. Of all the games on the schedule that could potentially, you know, not get televised, end up on the Mountain West Network or something like that, probably at New Mexico, there's just not a lot of national interest in them. Hopefully they get off to a better start and and make a little bit more curiosity from the national football fan base and the TV networks. Friday, uh, October 22nd, second road game in a row at Utah State, one of the only other 
non-Saturday games. You know, last year, all of CSU's games were Thursday, Friday. Granted, they're always subject to be moved. You know, it, a game could get moved to Friday or or Thursday down the line. Uh, but as of right now, the only other non-Saturday game, that game will kick off at 7.30 and will also be televised on CBS Sports Network. Well, maybe a, a little bit of a chance for the Rams to get revenge. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. I think it's kind of a bad look to be really mad at Utah State for last year, but I know that was you know a, a point of contention for a lot of fans. October 30th, that's the Boise State game at home. 5 p.m. kickoff. Should be a fun one. I mean, the night before Halloween, if CSU's good, it has the potential to be a pretty rocking atmosphere. That game is on CBS Sports Network as well. A little bit surprised that one didn't end up on FS1, but the more I think about it, I mean, Boise State has, you know, kind of perennially curbed off CSU. So there, it, I shouldn't say that because there have been competitive games, but, you know, until CSU beats them, then, you know, it's not really going to be considered that interesting of a game on a national level. November 6th at Wyoming, that game is on CBS Sports Network as well. Third in a row. Um, actually, there'll be four because the following game against Air Force is also on that. 130 kickoff in Laramie. I like that. You know, it has potential to be really cold up there in November. It's it's kind of a sketchy drive as well. So an opportunity for Ram fans to get up there, cheer on the team, and do so safely. November 13th, Air Force 5 p.m. game. That could be a little bit chilly in Fort Collins. Also, Military Appreciation Day. Ram's going to be rocking the state pride jerseys against Air Force. I don't know. Maybe that's what you need, a little bit of juice to to finally beat the Flyboys. On November 20th, the Rams will play at Hawaii. TV, TBA for that one. I guess that one could definitely end up on the Mountain West Network as well. A lot of that will depend on how good either of these teams end up being. I think Hawaii should be decent. And again, I have, I'm cautiously optimistic for CSU, just given the talent that they return defensively in that front seven they're going to have one of the best d-lines in the country in my opinion i mean they should be really dominant i really like what they have on the offensive line as well i like the talent that they have at the skill position i like the running backs and i'm i'm more confident in todd Santeo than most people are i think he has the potential to really shake some shake some things up you know obviously he's got to be way more accurate with the football we've talked about this a billion times supposedly he was playing you know like with a broken finger that would, you know, obviously impact his accuracy. But based on everything I've heard from his teammates and stuff, I'm going to give the guy a shot. On November 27th, last game of the year, home game, Rams wrap it up at 7 p.m. Really the only kickoff time where you're like, ah, oh, dang, kind of wish that was an earlier kickoff just because it, you know, could be pretty cold late November in Fort Collins. But, you know, it is what it is. There's going to be a lot of interest in that game nationally. It's on CBS Sports Network. I've talked a lot about how much I love the Nevada offense. Actually, on the draft podcast, I had Carson Strong as one of my top NFL draft prospects for 2022. I might look crazy if he completely bombs this year, but I just don't see that happening. He's so consistent. Throws a gorgeous deep ball. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. I loved watching that Nevada team last year. I'm excited to see them and San Jose State come to town. All right, that's you know pretty much all I have to say on the schedule. At some point, I'll do a preview and prediction where I give my official, you know, what I, how I think they'll fare out in 2021, but you got to dive into the rosters a little bit more if you want it to be accurate. And uh, I got to get to the interview with my guy, Jake Schwanitz. We're going to talk about some of the best 2022 NFL draft prospects on the CSU football team. We're not going to talk about all of them. I'm going to get them back again next week to finish it up. 
we are going to talk about the main four guys, at least in my opinion. So yeah, with uh, without further ado, I'm going to get into that interview with Jake. But real quick, a word from our partners. It's playoff time, which means big stakes, even bigger promotions. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $5 into $200. That's 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team that is still in the hunt for the trophy. If that team wins, you receive $200 in free credits. That's right, pick any team that is still in contention, bet $5, and if that team wins, you cash $200 in free bets. Incredible, 40 to 1 odds, anyone you want. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also has great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, UFC, so much more, the NFL. If you want to bet on it, they have it. They're safe, secure, and reliable, so you can always deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you claim $200 in free credits at promo code DNVR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Wagers paid out in site credits, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Speaking of DraftKings Sportsbook, it is a perfect time to give you guys my DraftKings Pick of the Week. And with that, I'm going all in with my heart. Denver Nuggets plus four at Portland Trailblazers on Saturday afternoon. I think the Blazers are going to play hard. I just think Nikola Jokic is too much. You can get that at minus 109. You can actually get the money line at plus 143 if you're feeling frisky. But I'm going with the Denver Nuggets to cover that four-point spread at minus 109. I think the Joker gets it done, even if they end up losing a tight one. Again, go Nuggets. I also want to shout out Solace Meds. DNVR has partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds is one of the best around. They've got four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins for my Ram fam, one in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Lots of options, lots of deals. The entire month of May, there have been so many killer deals. They've got some awesome stuff coming up for Memorial Day. You are not going to want to miss out. You can buy three, get one free on anything in the entire store. Even better, you could get an additional 20% off your entire purchase when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Head to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience. Just head to solacemeds.com. Purchase from there. Again, use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your order, and you do not want to miss out on all these killer Memorial Day deals. All right, joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage, good friend of mine, one of my co-hosts on the DNVR Draft Pod, Jake Schwanitz. Jake, thank you for coming and talking a little bit of draft prep with me. I know it's the off season. It's that weird time where we're kind of in limbo waiting for college football, but there's, there's some intriguing guys on this Rams roster. Absolutely. Uh, I remember, I don't remember exactly when, but I remember you uh, notifying us about Trey McBride and Scott Patchen specifically earlier in the season. And um, that was my first exposure to them. So going back and watching them at that point, 
was uh, actually pretty exciting. It was fun. Uh, these guys are some fun football players. Uh, we're going to have some fun today. If, if you are an NFL draft nerd like us and you're jonesing for more draft content, there will be a new edition of the draft pod up this afternoon. Uh, it's probably will be up by the time this pod is published now that I'm thinking out loud, but make sure that you go check it out. We previewed our top 10 prospects for the 2022 NFL draft with a, with a little bit of a caveat. I mean, it's, it's such a weird time to do draft content just based on we're coming off the weirdest season of all time. Like so many of these guys have so few, such little film and CSU is kind of a perfect example of that. They only got to play four games. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. Great for some of these guys to be able to come back. Um, I know that a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about were eligible to declare in 21. Um, and it would have been completely understandable if they did. But it's going to be nice to get another full season of film for them. So exciting in that regard. And hopefully a much more normal draft process coming up here. I'm glad you brought that up because that's obviously something that CSU fans were really excited about. The fact that so many of these dudes did decide to come back when I think at least most of them would have had draftable grades. It's it's, who knows if they actually would have been drafted or not, just given the, the weirdness, their lack of exposure. But I think if they can come back and replicate it, it will be big before we jump into CSU, just real quick, give the people, you know, a little bit of taste of what we were talking about on the draft podcast today, just like around the country you know, who are a couple of guys in 2022 that you're really, really excited for? Well, um, working with DNVR, talking a lot of Broncos, obviously the quarterbacks, um, something that, you know, we spent a lot of time on last year and looks like we're, we might be able to do that again. Um, some very exciting prospects though, across the board. I feel like, uh, we've got probably some more headliners at the top of each position group in this upcoming class. Uh, you think about Watermeyer at tight end, Stingley at corner, Thibodeau at the edge. Um, just a lot of fun guys at the top. Uh, I remember when we were talking about where we were just teasing kind of the 2021 draft class or 2022 draft class um, right after we finished wrapping up the 2021 draft talk. And we were just rattling off names, man. It was fun. It's going to be a lot of guys to talk about. A lot of content coming. Uh, a lot of good stuff from the draft pod guys. A lot of really interesting quarterbacks, just since we're on the subject. And a couple of them are actually in the Mountain West, just given uh, Boise State's got an interesting QB situation with Hank Bachmeyer. I'm in love with Carson Strong from Nevada. He's one of my favorite players in the conference. You got Nick Starkle at San Jose State, the SEC transfer. So a lot lot of talent in the conference, uh, a lot of opportunities. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of these guys in person. Nevada and San Jose State both come to Fort Collins this year. Will be tough games, but... Uh, for a draft guy like me, it'll be fun to see him up in person. But let's kind of jump into the CSU stuff because that's, you know, what the people are here for. And I think let's just start with Ryan Stonehouse. And I know people don't think punters when they think NFL draft. And it's kind of a shit show trying to predict whether a punter can get drafted because you just don't know what they're looking for. But Stoney, man, he's a three-time All-Mountain West selection. He's got some absurd stats that I'll list to you in a second. Um, I didn't give you a ton of time to prepare on Stonehouse and that's my bad, but just, you know, what is your impression of the, of him and uh, from what you've seen? Justin, you could have gave me a month to prepare for this guy. And I probably still wouldn't have any idea exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I've learned a lot about watching football and scouting players. I know nothing about kicking specialists. 
that being said, just from what you sent me and what I saw, uh, very accurate, big leg. Um, I don't know if I can go much deeper than that, <laughs> but I mean, when you're playing in Colorado in the higher altitude and you're able to actually show off that leg like that, I'm sure there's going to be some attention brought his way in terms of NFL interest. I'll give you some numbers for you just to kind of paint a picture. And, and what you said is actually basically what you need to know. He's got an absolute rocket of a leg and he's just absurdly accurate with it. Early in his career, he had a little bit of some issues out kicking his coverage. He didn't use his gun as well. He would just bomb it and it, it just, it didn't have enough hang time. And, and he had some issues giving up big returns. He's corrected a lot of that. CSU special teams as a whole were terrible last year, but that was not on him. He was a first team all mountain West selection for the third year in a row, 26 punts in 2020, an average of 45.31 yards per punt. That's ninth best in the country for his career has an average of 46.8, actually at 47 going in, which is a school record. The numbers that I want to throw at you, and I know I've thrown a lot out there, so try and keep up with me audience. I'm sorry. I'm throwing a bunch of punting numbers at you, but I'm trying to illustrate just how freaking accurate this kid is over the course of his career, 186 attempts. Of those 186 punts, 74 have been 50-plus yards or more. 63 have been inside the 20, and only 21 have been for touchbacks. So of his 186 punts, he has only 21 touchbacks. That's about 11%. That's phenomenal. I mean, if you do that in the NFL, you're going to make yourself a lot of money. And, you know, I'd love to see a big league, uh, big league, big-legged kicker like Ryan Stonehouse end up with the Broncos. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I think they kind of figured out the punter issues, uh, bringing in uh, Sam Martin, uh, either, was it last year or the year before? Yeah, last year, um, Yeah, but, I mean, why not, dude? Especially if he's in your backyard. We already know how well the Broncos scout their own backyard. Um, you know, he's not a guy that's going to be drafted, you know, like fourth round. You're not going to have to, like, no, it would be like a seventh round pick, flyer exactly. pick, or, you know, an undrafted free agent, which is probably the more likely scenario. Again, you know, I CSU had another punter that came through a couple years ago, Hayden Hunt, who was one of the best punters in the country, was a, a Ray Guy finalist a couple of times, but for some reason just hasn't been able to get a shot in the NFL, has had some tryouts, worked out with the Buccaneers for a while, but I don't know. Punting's punting. Punting's kind of weird. And that's why we're just starting with it. And we're just adding that. Like it's, it's kind of a shit show. I just know he's a really good punter. He's a really good dude. And so I'm rooting for him to make it. And I just kind of wanted him to be on your radar. Yeah. I mean, thanks for bringing it to my attention because I don't know if I would have found him otherwise. <laughs> um, but yeah, the numbers you mentioned were very impressive. Obviously you're hoping that he can continue that uh, through the 2021 season. And if so, it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, potentially gets drafted um, sixth, seventh round or makes an impact as an undrafted free agent. It's not unheard of at all. And, you know, we don't really ever see these kicking specialists come from like the big programs, right? You're always getting grabbing them from all over the place. So uh, not that that's necessarily, I don't know what, how it is when it comes to punters and kickers, but might it's be sure something feels that way. You know, they, they you yeah. can come from a small school as a specialist. Exactly. So uh, that's something that he has, uh, I guess, going for him. Um, but hopefully, I think the best is ahead of him. I think that the, his best football is ahead of him. 
I would agree with that. He also has tremendous flow, red curly hair sticking out the back of the helmet. I love it. And he's, he's a great interview. Like he's really confident, loves to talk. I love, I love a punter with some attitude. You know, he's got a little bit of Pat McAfee in Pat McAfee. <laughs> or the brand baby. Uh, I thought, uh, by the way, the video you sent me, I thought was hilarious too. Cause it was like full cut up. Like they were zooming in on the punter. They were putting the box around him and everything. Like, like we didn't know we were watching a punter. It was great. <laughs> Punters are people too, guys. We need more punter hype videos. I want like just Very Stonehouse true. bombing it with like a trap rap song in the backwards and zooming in on exactly. him, like staring down the sidelines. <laughs> exactly. Let's uh let's break into some of these other guys. And obviously the main people that we're gonna talk about today, Trey McBride, Scott Patchen, and Manny Jones. Who do you want to talk about first? I mean, who jumps out to you the most out of the three guys that I just listed? Um, Trey McBride to me, I think is the guy that pops the most, um, a guy that, you know, it's interesting when you kind of look at these, uh, G five prospects and you, you know, you take, obviously you have to take into account the level of competition, um, you know, just kind of the background of these players, you know, they're not always going to be the best athletes, which is why they're playing in the G five, which isn't a slight at all. I mean, it, Mountain West is a great conference and a lot of great football players come from the G5, D2, D3. Um, it's just finding those players. And I really think Trey McBride could be one of them. Uh, a guy that is absolutely massive, as I'm sure the listeners of this podcast know. Uh, you don't need me to tell you that. But he really impressed me just as an actual runner and a route runner. Um, and that, I think, is what's going to really be the defining factor for him. And just the speed size combination. He's, he looks like an actual athlete out there playing tight end, which is, you know, we've seen a massive kind of shift in how these um, bigger wide receivers, you know, hybrid tight ends, you know, you look at Kyle Pitts last year. Um, I don't know if McBride exactly fits that mold, but he doesn't look unnatural running with the football and can make some plays uh, with the ball in his hands, which is exciting. Yeah. He's definitely underrated. After the catch, he's a guy that's really hard to bring down, has a really good stiff arm, likes to drop the shoulder, but he's surprisingly quick. I mean, he had a touchdown against Fresno State in 2019 where he caught the ball on the run and that just turns up the sidelines, outruns yeah. three defenders to the corner. That that was one of the touchdowns where I was like, all right, like <laughs> there's some there's some real NFL juice here. It's not just in my head. Absolutely. What I also love about him and I know that the game has kind of gravitated away from this to an extent with, you know, the more just receiving type tight ends, you know, being a a complete blocker isn't necessarily the biggest priority for a lot of these squads. Trey McBride is an old school blocking tight end. He not only is good at it, but he loves it. Like you watch this dude, he's that George Kittle type where he's going to be laughing as he runs over a linebacker. And then he's going to point in your face and then he's going to flex on you. And then the next play is going to catch a touchdown. And the linebackers are just sitting there like, what the hell do we do? I hate this guy. Yeah. I'm glad you said Kittle first, uh, because that's kind of what came to mind. You know, uh, just a guy that maybe doesn't have it all put together yet. You can obviously see the talent in the flashes and just the natural ability. Um, but he's just kind of scratching the surface of what he can be as a player. And I think that's where the real intrigue is going to come. Obviously you got to factor in the quarterback slowing him the football. Um, you know, Colorado State not actually getting, you know, exactly top five recruits in the country to play quarterback, um, which isn't going to 
I mean, you can't really hold it against McBride. I mean, he can only play with what he has. Um, but when he has the ball in his hands, he just makes plays. The thing that I thought was most interesting was watching how they use him at times, kind yeah. of like in that Kyle Pitts way where they'll split him out and they'll put him, you know, in a three by one formation and he's the solo receiver on one side and he's just, he's the hot guy. You know, if they get the matchup on him, that's where the ball's going. And I think that speaks a lot to his talent um, and just how, how he, just who he is as a player. I think Colorado state understands that he's, a different kind of tight end and that he needs to be used and featured in a way that most tight ends aren't. I think that's spot on. I think that's a really astute observation. And one of the things that Bobo did well with him in 2019, but I think Steve Adazio in 2020 really did in terms of, you know, putting him out wide, just letting him go and do his thing, put up monster numbers in 2020. Like I said, CSU only had four games but he had 22 catches in those four games for 330 yards, average 15 yards a catch, four touchdowns. Just insane production, really, really consistent. You and I don't love PFF, but they do have him as one of the top eight tight ends returning. I think that's more than fair. I would put him in the top three, in my opinion. But again, I'm a little bit of a homer. <laughs> I'm, I love the guy. You got to be. <laughs> yeah. I, if, if, um, no, if I'm not going to stand on the table and pound for Trey McBride – then I don't know who will. Exactly. This is a guy, he's just going to, he's going to produce. Like he obviously, he's got to stay healthy and at a physical position like tight end with as much as he blocks, that's, you know, a little bit of a concern at times. You know, you hope he doesn't, you know, do something to his shoulder or something like that. Knocking on wood. I'm not trying to put any of this into the universe because I expect big things from Trey. But, you know, got to stay healthy. It's just, it's, it's big for him because I think he's going to get those reps in the passing game. And I think he's going to get those opportunities to really, you know, shine on film. I hope so. I mean, just looking at the box score from last year, again, only four games, but 15 yards per catch average is outstanding for a tight end. Um, I mean, his, I guess, worst game, he had four receptions, which most tight ends only get like four or five receptions per game, like as their maximum. So with that already set as his floor, um, I'm really excited to see how he's used in 21 and hopefully he is kind of seen as at least by the coaches as a staple of their offense and his features featured as such. I think he's going to be one of those dudes that just really impresses in interviews. He's a really humble guy. He loves football, but he's obviously, he's just so nasty in practice and stuff. Every coach that's ever coached him is going to be, you know, this dude's amazing. You can't go wrong with him. I wish I had 52 of him, not to compare him to Janovich because he's yeah. <laughs> a much better and ver more versatile football player than Jano was. But um, I'm really excited about Trey McBride. As of right now, based on what you've seen, and I know it's it's limited, and I know we got to dive into some of the other guys you know, over the next couple of months, but where, where do you see a guy like Trey McBride potentially getting drafted round-wise? I think day two is absolutely fair. Um, you know, might not be round two, but round three, especially, I think is really his sweet spot. Um, if not that, it'd be high day three, I think at least. Um, you know, he's not Kyle Pitts, obviously. He's not Pat Fryermuth in terms of just chiseled physique and just looks like what you would want your prototypical tight end to look like. But still, you just look at the film. Um, the guy plays just big. He is big. Um, he does things that, you know, I guess you could call him the old school breed of tight ends, uh, aren't usually doing, he's, he's kind of, you know, in that 
new breed of being more of a receiver than an actual blocker or pure tight end. Um, so with that all said, I think that round two is probably his ceiling. Uh, I would bet probably round three, round four uh, is where he goes. Um, again, very early in the process though, but uh, if we're already talking that for him uh, before the season, uh, he can really only go up. I think that's a good point. You know, I, I don't think there's anything he's going to do that will hurt his draft status at this point. He can only put more on film and and help himself outside of injuries, obviously. And again, yeah. back on wood, you wouldn't want that for anyone. Uh, let's let's talk defense a little bit because the Rams have got a couple of guys that I'm really intrigued by. They have a couple of other guys that I'll get you on to talk about in the future as well. But Scott Patchen, man, Miami transfer came in last year and just made a really big impact for this team. 22 tackles, 12 of which were solo, seven and a half for a loss, five and a half sacks. So just really, really productive. I mean, he was a quarterback killer, really gave Boise State and San Diego State fits last year. You know, what, what did you kind of see when you were watching him? Yeah, same thing. I mean, the, the size, I think, is what stands out um, immediately. Uh, just the kind of relentless effort also. Um, I mean, that's kind of just how he has to play, right? Um, he's not what I would call an elite athlete just from what I saw on tape, um, which is fine. I mean, that's just like I said to kind of lead it off. This is just what happens when you're looking at the, I don't want to call it the lower division of college football, but obviously we're not talking about the SEC here. Um, all that being said, he's a smart football player, I think. Um, obviously some things to work on. Uh, I think he's got to do be better, a little bit better with his eyes in terms of holding the edge. Um, quarterbacks can kind of pull it out on him and run the read option and, you know, sneak out the back door. Um, but otherwise, I think a real smart football player plays with power. Uh, the one thing I would be concerned about, though, is he's a bit older. Yeah, it's, it's definitely so you kind of have back. to get him. Yeah. So it, it you would kind of hope that a guy that is two, three years older than his competition is really kind of dominating. Um, so, I mean, can't really knock him for it if that's what he's supposed to do and he is doing it though. Yeah. You do wonder how much, you know, that, that hurts him in the draft evaluation process. Obviously it's, he's not going to be a guy, even if he produces a ton that, you know, goes in the, in the first two days, he would be a day three yeah. type pick. I think he could produce. I think he's a guy that could go on to the next level. You're going to need to get him in the right scheme. Like you said, he's definitely more of a true pass rusher than a guy that, you know, seals the edge is, you know, going to be making yeah. a bunch of plays in the run game. But with how much the passing offense is, you know, favored in the NFL anyways, you just kind of need some guys that you can just, hey, it's third down, go out there and get the quarterback. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know if this is necessarily a good comparison, but I kind of think of Max Crosby when I think. And yeah, Scott I think play. it is actually. Um, just because, you know, they're not like elite benders, you know what I mean? They're not guys that are just, extremely long and just freakishly athletic. Uh, they're just solid football players. Um, again, Max Crosby played in G5. I think he, oh gosh, going back now, what did he play for? Ohio, the Bobcats? I believe, I believe so. That sounds right. So, um, I mean, the Max a, a good league also. I mean, not to say that these G5 leagues aren't, uh, but, you know, it's definitely, there's a pathway for Scott Patch, and I think is the point I'm trying to make here. Um, you know, despite the age, despite some of the, maybe athletic limitations. There's definitely a pathway. Um, and, you know, he's not going to top anyone's top five list when it comes to edges for this next class. But he's a guy that wouldn't surprise me to see 
maybe make an impact uh, as a rotational piece and just, you know, kind of be a little bit of a diamond in the rough for somebody. I agree. I'd, I'd love to see him end up on a team that's really, you know, basically already built defensively. And he's kind of just one of those, Hey, we can, we can yeah. get four or five sacks a year out of this guy using yeah. in situational moments. You know, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know, like the Ravens or something, you know what I mean? Somewhere I was just like, For sure. Yeah. We got a great D line or Buffalo just go out there and attack the QB. Well, you look at the Broncos kind of like a Malik Reed situation. I mean, obviously yeah. much different prospects, but, uh, you know, maybe Patchen does go undrafted. Um, maybe he gets drafted later. Regardless, the point is, you know, he's a guy that you would kind of just kind of take a shot on and just kind of hope, like you said, four or five sacks. You're not expecting too much. And if you get more than that out of him, then absolutely fantastic. You'd be thrilled at that point. Let's move on to Manny Jones, who's had a, just a tremendous career for CSU. 136 career tackles, 71 of which are solo, 27 for a loss, 11 sacks, two forced fumbles, one interception, a beast of an athlete. Like he's a guy where when you see him, you know, without the pads on and stuff, you're like, this dude could be a basketball player. This dude could be a boxer, like just a freak athlete. And he's been really productive his whole career, despite kind of getting jacked around. He's been moved around by a, a lot of different situations and I don't think that was necessarily best for him but he's kind of found a role on the inside and I I think he has really high potential a guy that I think could probably even get drafted higher than Patchen just because he's younger and I think a little bit more versatile for sure um I like how you led that off because I did think he was a little bit of a tweener um you know kind of caught between being a defensive tackle and a true defensive end or an edge maybe um I don't know. I, I don't have the age off the top of my head. I'm, I'm not as exposed to Manny Jones as I am to the other two guys. Um, I only recently had him on my radar when you told me about him this week. Uh, but I watched the Wyoming game, which was obviously impressive. Um, you know, not that Wyoming has world beaters on the offensive line, but him and Patchen were just easily, they were just breezing through these guys. Um, and it's fun to watch them both play together because they play off each other really well in terms of stunts and all that. So it's cool to see uh, Manny Jones kind of loop around and he looks good while looping around and running in space like that. So I agree. I think that if I had to bet, I would probably say Manny Jones would go higher than Scott Patchen uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, The most, I guess, important being that he just, he moves really well. Like you said, Um, he's going to, I hope he has a big 2021 and I hope we see a big uh, rise in his stock because I was not exposed to him and I'm happy you kind of uh, put him on my radar for me. CSU is going to be interesting, man. They've got these guys. They just have a ton of players that have played a lot of football. They've got another guy, Ellison Hubbard, coming back at defensive tackle. He's a big dude. I'll, I'll send you some stuff on him. They've got Toby McBride, Trey McBride's brother, coming back. He actually... If it wasn't for injuries, I think he would have a, a really good NFL shot. I still think somebody will bring him in at camp at some point and just kind of check him out. But he's just a guy, unfortunately, like anytime he's had so many major, you know, concussion issues and shoulder stuff and leg stuff. He's one of those dudes like when he goes down, you just cringe. You're like, oh, God, not another yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, what about Marcus McElroy? Just watching some of the film. Uh, over the past day or two, he was a guy that I, I don't know, just kind of caught my eye a little bit. What's what's the word with him? 
they've just been waiting for him to be a little bit more consistent. Um, he did put it together at the end of last year and they got that run game going. And I think this year he's going to have an opportunity to really, you know, shine on film. Cause they're going to lean on that ground game big time. That's Steve Adazio football. They've brought in a couple of transfers, Cam Reddy, Elijah Johnson from Boston college. They've kind of rebuilt it, rebeefed it up. He's a really, you know, strong downhill runner. I wish he had a little bit more burst. You know, there are times that kind of feels like he's moving in sand a little bit, but he runs hard. He's a really good pass blocker, which I think is going to help him. He doesn't bring much as a pass catcher, and that's kind of why they ended up switching in this other guy, Ajon Vivens, who uh, you should check out, great athlete. They actually played together in high school, so it's kind of funny that they're now starting in the backfield together. But, you know, I, he's got the frame for it. He's got the size, so if he could put together a big year, it wouldn't see, surprise me to see him be like a, you know, a, a day three flyer pick or a, a priority UDFA. Yeah, just going back, it was that 2019 Fresno game. Um, that was probably that the best game of his career. Yeah, yeah, that was I think I thought a pretty impressive performance, and um, not having watched very much CSU over the last uh, few months or year, even um, just something that kind of caught my eye when I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, he's got a shot. Dante Wright, they've got he's coming back for his junior year at wide receiver. He's a beast. He's a guy that uh, you'll definitely get excited about when you watch him on film. I'll send you some some plays he made, especially as a true freshman. But yeah, thank you for coming on and, and talking CSU Rams with me. It's always fun to talk draft stuff. Make sure that you follow my guy, uh, Jake, on Twitter. What's your handle? Uh, at Jake Schwanitz, uh, just my name. There we go. Nice and simple. Also, check out the draft pod. Check out Jake has his own draft pod that he does. I believe that's on YouTube. Yep, we're on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, name is Jakers Sneakers Z's at the end. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm not just saying this because Jake is my friend. He's genuinely one of the draft gurus I trust the most. He's a guy that just he uses logic and he helps me and Henry. We know football, but we get a little caught up into the emotion of it because we get to know these guys on a personal level. So there are a couple of guys that we'll just like kind of fall for. But Jake levels us out. He brings it all home. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for having me. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.